Today we're interrupting our miracle series with a vision series, um, and I'll tell you why in a minute. It's going to be a time for us to just talk about what God has entrusted our family of churches to do. And I hope that through today you'll be able to see with us where this is going and what God is wanting us to achieve for his kingdom. Um, we have seen an incredible move of God in the country happen over the last couple of weeks, now almost a month or so. Um, and a, a revival has broken out at a college campus in a town called Wilmore in Kentucky. At a university campus there called Asbury University. This university is a Methodist school. And God chose to break out a revival that has now been going on from the time that it started for, how many weeks is it now? It's, it's like almost two months now that a service that started on campus, just a normal chapel service, all of a sudden just broke out into a revival. Nobody organized it. Nobody set a date for it. Nobody knew it was coming. After the chapel service that was scantly attended, a group of students stayed behind and they prayed and they started worshiping. And they kept on worshiping and people started to come back. And that worship service has now continued for two months. Day and night, night and day, they were worshiping. And it wasn't organized, but they've since added some organization to it to make sure that it's able to continue, that the people don't burn out, you know, like imagine worshiping for, leading worship for two months. But what's beautiful about it is that it started because of, because of God's grace for the United States. Let me tell you, God has not pulled the plug on this nation. God is not gonna let this nation just go to the dogs. He has started a move in this country, and here's what we can do while that started, not here. And by the way, let me just say something about Wilmore, Kentucky. Who of you have ever heard of Wilmore, Kentucky before the revival broke out? Before the revival broke out. You know about Wilmore, Kentucky. God bless your soul. Because <laughs> honestly, they're not on any map. Okay, they're there now. But Wilmore, Kentucky, the town has... How many people? 6,000 people. Like you, you drive through the town, and I mean, it's not even the size of rain, y'all. And the university is basically all there is. Now, the university is quite big, and it's a, it's a good school, and, and it's a school that uh, has had uh, revivals before. But there's nothing significant about it that makes it in our human brains compute, oh, that's why God's revival started there. Nothing. So, remember when I said earlier this year, has revival ever broke out in Crowley? John um, Jansen, he, he connected me with Pastor Lloyd Singley from the, from, the, from the Northside Church, and I went and visited with him, and I spoke to him about, tell me the time revival broke out in Crowley, and they told me about a time in the 2000s, early 2000s, maybe even 2000, where God moved in this area. And you know what's amazing about, about this is that we are the ones that disqualify ourselves for revival, not God. 
And it's not even because maybe of sin. It's because of just our attitudes, maybe our pride, maybe our hearts, maybe our self-belief. Maybe we cancel out ourselves before God could even start something because, because we just can't fathom the fact that God would move on sinful people to do and to release something amazing like that. Or, or a small little town like that to do something incredibly amazing that has now started spreading across the United States on many university campuses. Revival services broke out spontaneously, not because somebody planned it, but because people said, hey, if God can do it there, God can do it here. I want us to not live under a spiritual rock, y'all. God is doing something in our nation And if we want a part of it, our disposition should be humbly, Lord, won't you do it here too? Come, Jesus, come. We're ready to receive it. We won't put our names to it. We won't won't try and hijack it like some have tried to hijack the Asbury thing. Big names wanted to go and perform there. And the wise, wise university just said to them, no, thank you. This will not be sustained by you attaching your name to it. This will be sustained as long as God wants it sustained. And when he wants it to stop, it'll stop. And it's kept going, and it's kept going. And the only people leading are students and staff at that university faculty. It's an incredibly beautiful thing that's happening. And we want to honor that. We want to honor what God is doing and say, Lord, we're trusting for the same. We're trusting you to move on our hearts And so the first place where revival needs to start for you and I is right here in our own hearts, in our own dedication, in our own um, consecration to the Lord. So I'm inviting you to come along and see what God will do. And I'm not guaranteeing that a revival like that is going to break out here. I'm saying our heart's desire needs to be for him to do what he wants to do. And there's some things that he has dropped in this church from its inception that, that we are contending for, that we're saying, Lord, this is what we're trusting. What we see, you do, you want done, and we step by faith into that and say, yes, Lord. We say yes to that. We'll help with that. We'll dedicate our lives to that. We'll come alongside you in your kingdom to see that happen. But it can't happen until it happens here for each and every one of us. So as we're talking about a vision Sunday, I want you first and foremost, above anything anything we say or do in the next couple of months, I want you to know that it's about Jesus and Him becoming alive in your own heart and you having a really, real authentic relationship with Him yourself, not because there's a church that is exciting things are happening at, but because you have found Him to be true and able to save And if you will bow your knee to him and accept him like that, your life will transform. You will not stay the same. Your life will become more holy. Your life will become, you will become more conscious of your sin and more repentant of your wrong deeds. And you will have a desire to pursue whatever it is that he has put before us. Let's all accept him into our hearts like that today. And I pray that God will open the eyes of our hearts that we might see what he is doing. Because that's really the heart of everything that we're gonna share here is what are you doing and how can we partner with your spirit?
a vision is, is simple. It's just a clear picture of a preferable future. It's how we prefer things to end up or to progress or to be for us. They say sight is what you, thank you, bro. Sight is what you see when your eyes are open, but vision is what you see when your eyes are closed. It's what you dream about. It's what you want. It's what you hope for. When we, when we came to Crowley for the first time, um, you know, we saw, <laughs> to be honest, we saw uh, broke down homes, dirty places. We saw um, just, maybe it's because we, we drove in from the wrong side. I know some of these sides get kept and the others get ignored. That's something we got we to gotta look into. Um, but you know, we started dreaming. We saw very little young people. We started dreaming, Lord, could it be that this can be a place that forms a vibrant young people community that has stuff that will draw people to this area? We started dreaming, Lord, maybe the kingdom of God will manifest not just in people giving their lives to Jesus on a Sunday, but people cleaning their yards on a Monday through a Friday. Maybe the kingdom of God will become so tangible that our streets will become cleaned up, that our neighborhoods will be spruced up, that people will plant trees and make gardens, that people will fix their fences, that people will fix their roofs, that they will paint their houses. Maybe the kingdom of God will be expressed that heaven's beauty will become a reality in our town. We started dreaming. We started dreaming. You know, we're not the only people. There are more people in this town that are not even in our church that are dreaming the same things. It's the kingdom of God being manifest in our area. I found out about this project called Citizens Against Blight. And I was like, that's kingdom. That's kingdom. Because where the kingdom comes, heaven is expressed. But you know what happens? It first has to happen here. My life first has to get order before my environment will have order. And let me say this, your environment is an expression of what's going on on the inside of you. Before your environment will change, you have to change. So as you go home today, I want you to drive home with new vision. I want you to drive into your property, into your place there. I want you to see What's going on here? Now, if you started making a plan and you don't have necessarily, you know, the means to fix it immediately, but you started, don't feel judged. You know you started. But if you're throwing a blind eye to it and you're just ignoring and excusing it away, take note. The kingdom of God needs to come into your heart so that your mind will be fixed. God does not want that for you forever. And if you will follow him and you will let the kingdom of God get expression here, he will help you to express that outside of where you are. It's not a judgment. It is a call to the better things of the kingdom to see God's heaven come to your reality. It's an invitation for you to say, yes, Lord, and reap the benefit of it. If you walk out here offended, that's it. Nothing's changing. If you walk out here having accepted an opportunity to say yes to Jesus, everything's going to change for you. I hope you have ears to hear today.
You can approach vision in two ways. It's my vision that I want God's involvement in, or it's God's vision that I bow my knee to and humbly start serving. Which side of this coin are you on currently? Esther's word of knowledge earlier is similar notion to that. You know what? God is a very gracious God, and he will help you in your vision, but ultimately he wants to be Lord, which means God wants you to serve his vision for your life. Because your life is part of a bigger picture. Your life is part of a bigger agenda. And that's the kingdom of God coming to earth, bringing it with it healing, bringing with it provision, bringing with it joy, peace. That's God's bigger agenda. And sometimes we're so short-sighted. We think about our success and we realize how small a picture that really is. And that the kingdom of God is wanting us to lift up our eyes beyond just my little environment and to see the greatness of the kingdom, what I can get to be involved in, how I can, how I can serve that and, 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 and see God's plan uh, come to pass on earth, which will be beneficial to me too. It will be. If I become a part of a house, I'm a part of that household's environment. If I, if I become part of a house, I get the roof, the bed, the food, the, you know, the joy, the camaraderie, a fellowship, I get all of that with it. But when I try to go somewhere and just tell the house, hey, send resources, I want to do something, that's a different story. God wants us to join his vision. And th that vision is the ability to see it before you see it. When we walked into our house here in Crowley that we are incredibly blessed to be able to live in and come I'll tell you the miracle story of about that house because that house by itself just on the market we will never be able to afford that but God made a miracle happen so that we are able to to stay there but when we walked into that house right that house did not look the way it looked now those of you who've been in my house you know we've shown you the pictures of what it what it looked like it was old y'all and look I'm not saying that to, to, be, to be like um, nasty. It was just old. And, 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 and it, did, it was not an expression of who Esther and I are. It was an expression of the incredibly amazing couple um, whom were still in, uh, the, 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 the um, gentleman passed away, but the, the, the lady's still alive. She's probably listening. Betty, I love you. Um, it was an expression of them 60 years ago when they built the place, right? right? And it was good quality. Y'all, they built that house right. It's solid as, a, solid as a rock, right? And yet, when we walked in there, it was not the type of carpets that we would like. It was not the type of walls and cabinetry and, and things that we would naturally decide for ourselves. But you know what we did? We looked past all that reality and we saw something that it could be. And my wife and I was like, man, this is gonna be awesome. Because when we do this and this and this and this and this, it's going to be an expression of what we are and what we like. So we saw something when our reality was completely different from what that was. Many people have done great things 
They've built great things. Think of, um, you know, in recent days, Disney World have, have come into disrepute, but the bottom line is the feat of Disney World is incredible, and what they've produced over the years has been incredible. And, and one guy once said, man, I wish Walt was alive to see this. And then one of his colleagues said to him, you don't understand. It's because Walt saw this that you're able to see this. That's what vision gives us. It gives us the ability to look past. When you drive in Crowley right now, what do you see? When you go back to Rain or Gaydon or Midland or, or Maxi, uh, Church Point, uh, all the Kaplan, all the areas that Lansmore, y'all coming from to, to, to be a part of this congregation, what do you see? Esterwood, what do you see? Do you see the old cabinets? Do you see the, the things that you don't like, the rugs and the carpets and things that are not your color palette? And it's not your style. It's, it's maybe because of, you know, way back when when they made decisions. What do you see or do you see what if we did this and this and this and this and see how this place can become an expression of heaven? That's what God wants a people like us to do. He wants us to see before others see so that they may see and believe the goodness of God. So we're walking with vision. We're not walking in reality, and that's a walk of faith. Why? Because when you walk with vision, you start declaring how things are going to be, and then the next minute you hear of another shooting in West Crowley. And you go, I just said crime's coming down. And it's like the enemy goes, well, I'll show you. Well, guess what, enemy? We'll show you even more. We're going to keep prophesying and keep praying and keep interceding and keep declaring the will of God over this place until it manifests and until everybody that has come and tried to challenge that is worked out of this system and they are no longer allowed or able to operate here. That's what we see. We see a Crowley where the streets are livable. Not just one street, every street. Man, I should have been a politician. <laughs> do I need to do anything with this receiver here? I'll put it in the front. Maybe that helps. <laughs> All right. We recently had a beautiful baby girl born into our family, Tori and Mitch. And we have a couple more on the way. Um, and you know what you do when you're pregnant? You start preparing a little space for that baby, right? That's vision. You can already see you changing that diaper, you know, getting the pee in the eye. <laughs> you know, you're already like imagining, you know, what dad's response and reaction is going to be the first time he opens up that, you know, and he sees the, the pumpkin come out, mashed pumpkin. It wasn't like, what'd you feed this kid? I thought we gave him milk. All I can see is nasty squash. Um. <laughs> That's vision. That's an expectation of something to come that you're already almost living in. And you know what's hard? It's when that does, when, when, you, when you see that, you start living in it. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna, I don't want to go ahead of myself. But sometimes when I drive around on the church property, where am I at? Oh, yeah, the church property over there. <laughs> I'm literally sitting in the pews already. Like, I'm, I'm driving in my truck, and I'm imagining, all right, this is where I'm going to sit, and the stage is going to be there. It's like I can feel it already. I can see it already. 
In fact, if, you know, me and other guys, when we cut the lawn, I'm thinking to myself, this is the aisle. I'm just going up to the stage to preach. <laughs> it's vision, y'all. But what's vital, first and foremost, is that we see God's vision for this world. God is a God of the, that loves all of the earth. He loves every nation. He loves every ethnicity. He loves every generation. And if we don't grab onto that vision, it's just been proven over and over at times that you know, we lose our way. So why don't you open your Bible for me in Proverbs 29, verse 18. Proverbs 29, verse 18 says the following. It says, where there is no prophetic vision, I believe vision is by nature prophetic, but where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. What I believe is powerful about this scripture verse is one, it's not where there is no money, people perish. No, it's where there is no vision. And here's what I think. I think when we've set out a vision, it directs us. It pulls us to a place. It gives us priority. It makes us make decisions. If I want to see that vision come to pass, I know I'm not going to spend my energy and resources on that now. Why? Because this is priority. Because this is where I'm going. It restrains me. But you know what's the beautiful thing about restraints like that? It helps you accomplish things. You see, if you're running two, two steps this way, three steps this way, four steps this way, two steps this way, another three steps this way, guess where you're at? Back where you started. Vision helps you to direct those steps, to line them up. Is it discipline? Yes. Does it say no to certain things? Yes. But guess what the benefit of it is? Is you gain what you wanted. You accomplish what you set out to do. So don't despise discipline. Don't despise restraint because it's a blessing to you. It serves you, and it helps you achieve what it is that you've set out in your heart to do. So this can apply to literally every area of our life, especially when it comes to our relationship with God. If you want to have a thriving relationship with God, we talk about spiritual disciplines often, right? We say, hey, you've got to get into your word. You've got to make time for Jesus, You've got to come to church, attend worship services where you can be challenged and inspired to go back out and apply those spiritual disciplines in your life. Why do we put those restraints on us? Is it because it's a law? And Esther mentioned and she said some things, you don't have to obey the law to gain righteousness. But when I have a vision, that becomes like a law, but the law 
preserves me and it directs me to a preferable outcome. But that law does not connect condemnation. So if I make a step wrong, I all of a sudden feel like, oh, now God is mad with me and I'm going to get punished. No, I just realized that mm, I might have wasted a little energy right there. Sometimes a little wasted energy isn't destructive, but the bottom line is you want to come back real quick to that. Like, if you missed reading your Bible for the last week, don't go two weeks. Just get back into it right, 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 right back again. Because what does that discipline do? It directs you to gain what it is that you really want, a thriving relationship with God. That's why we allow restraints on us. Because we want that, we want the product of it. We want the outcome in our life. But it's not to gain righteousness. It's because we are righteous and we realize there's so much more to be gained in this walk with God that we now say, all right, let me discipline myself so that I can gain what it is that I really want to gain. Bless you, little Eliza. We love you. In marriage, I allow restraints. I'm not going to flirt with other girls. Pay attention to them more than I am my wife. That's a restraint. But guess what? <laughs> it keeps us good. <laughs> That's what I really want. So discipline is godly because it leads you to the outcomes that God designed and wants for you. Don't cast off discipline, but you know what's difficult? If you don't have the vision of what you wanna achieve, then discipline is, 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 is frustrating because you don't know why did I put this on me? Vision helps us to get to where we wanna be. And if we see God's vision, it helps us to see his outcomes accomplished. So God's vision is vital. It's really vital that we first see what he wants us to see before we start dictating to him what we want, right? But then the second point is God's vision is vast. It's very inclusive, <laughs> right? That's why there can be so many churches and they're all serving the same God in a little bit of a different way. And this Part of the church is working on that part of the kingdom because no church can work on literally the whole kingdom of God. And so we honor what the body of Christ is doing. Why? Because we recognize we're insufficient. But what we also recognize is that we have a role. We have a part to play. And because we have a part to play, we got to take a hold of that and respond well. Right? His, his vision is always bigger than what we see but, and it's always bigger than what we can accomplish on our own because it's so vast. Ephesians 3.20 talks about this. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory. Right? He is the one that, 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 that sets the pace, that sets the direction. And obviously he knows more of the plan than what we will ever know. The Bible says we see in part, we hear in part, we do in part. But every one of our parts are important. Your part is important. Our part is important. And that's why the last point here today is that God needs a vehicle. And guess who the vehicle of accomplishing this vision is? It's us. 
So go with me in, in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. I want to read a couple of verses there. You ready? All right, let's go. Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter verse 8. To me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So Paul immediately says here what I just said. He says, even though I'm the least, I was given this to do. This is my portion. This is my responsibility. This is my place. And I'm going to do this well. Notwithstanding what the other apostles were called to do. But here, this is what God called me to do. What did God call us as a church to do? To preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan, what the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, are we the church? The manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. That through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. So let me ask you a question here. Am I the church on my own? So this does not just apply to me. If through the church, the wisdom of God is to be made known to the authorities in heavenly places, then it's not just my job. Is it what the Bible says? Are you sure? Because it's suddenly gone quiet. Now, I think it's clear, unless your understanding of the church is wrong, and you think that the church is the preacher, you're, 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 you're processing. So here's the beauty of it, is that y'all are all included in the church. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Isn't it amazing that we all can have boldness and access to the Father? You have access to him. It's not just me or Esther or one of the leaders of the church. Every single one of you have your own access to the Father and can stand in your own boldness on your, on your righteousness that was granted to you and because of that, you can have confidence to share the wisdom of Christ with the world. God needs a vehicle. And the vehicle is not just me. In this metaphor the, the, in the, of a vehicle, you know, the vision is, is like the steering wheel. It helps us to get where, point us to where we want to go. 
Our faith, our collective faith is the engine. And I don't know about y'all, but I'd like to be a six-liter V12, fully turbocharged monster that doesn't say, you know, stand back for any obstacle. One of those raised up ones, right? That has tires this big and, and, and can just overcome every obstacle. That's the kind of vehicle I would like us to be. Are we there yet? Prophetically envisioned, I want to see, yeah, we're going to go there. But what's it going to take? It's not just the vision. It's not just one person. It's a collective faith where we all see this community transformed by the kingdom of God. I need your faith as much as you need our you know, prayers and, 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 and involvement in your spiritual development. And that's why I'm so excited when people start taking on projects, when people open businesses, when people take on leadership, when people um, start doing like, you know, uh, uh, things in the city, uh, initiatives in the city, sign up to be a part of city council, it's like you can sign up for it, like you have to be elected. That's, that's a pretty expensive sign up. But what we're doing is we're getting into that place because we are the vehicle, y'all. And the more we grow spiritually, the higher our vehicle is raised and the more problems and obstacles we can overcome together. That's why it's so important that each and every one of us see this vision together. None of us on our own are going to do this, but together we are able to do incredible things. But here's what we got to realize In your life, you're always going to have faith and fear coexisting in the same moments. Sometimes you guys think that, you know, okay, when when I have faith for this, I'll do it. Guess what? That's never going to happen. Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Why? Because we are always going to work with faith and fear in the same environment. But guess what? We are to choose which one we act upon. What does God need from us? He needs two things from us. Number one, he needs our agreement to his vision. God wants his kingdom to come in our environment. He wants his kingdom to come in your life, right? He wants your life to grow. He wants your life to advance because that is an expression of his kingdom coming on you. If there is a lack of healing, God wants healing to manifest. Why? Because that's what the kingdom of God does. Show me in the Bible anywhere where there's sickness in heaven. There is none. If sickness was ever a part of God's will, why isn't it not in heaven? And why did Jesus heal? Because isn't a house divided, unable to stand? Why would God give sickness and Jesus goes, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, you were wrongfully given sickness? No. Sickness is a part of the brokenness of this world, the curse and the involvement of the devil. And so we don't have to accept it. We can contend against it and we can trust God for it. Do we always win? No. But do we win a lot of the times? Yes, we do win a lot of the times. So let's keep building that engine. Let's keep building that faith so that we will reach higher and higher and higher levels, if you will, of seeing these things manifest. That's what we're trusting God for together. 
Because it's the kingdom of God's will to manifest that in our environment. And when we look at our environment and we see the opposite, we have to be careful that we don't shift our agreement. Because if you shift your agreement, then nothing else will happen. So keep that agreement in place. Keep that agreement in place. If it doesn't work out like that, keep that agreement in place. Because the only thing the devil wants is for you to shift your agreement. And once you shift your agreement, he wins. Because after that, nothing happens. But if you can keep your agreement, you'll, you'll have a victory here. You might have a setback here, but you'll have another victory there. Things can continue to progress. Keep your agreement. The second thing he wants for us is he wants our participation. He wants our action. Faith is nothing until it's acted upon. Until then, it's just hope. And give me strong, don't get me wrong, hope is powerful. But faith produces products. It's when you start acting on that what you believe that you start seeing it manifest. Say this after me. Nothing comes from nothing. So after you've prayed about something, you always need to do something to put that placeholder in place. I've said it many times. Faith is like a placeholder. It creates a hole. It creates a void. So that what you trust in God can manifest in that void. Your agreement keeps that void open. I'm going to get healed. There's the healing void. Now if you start changing your confession, oh, maybe God wanted me, 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 me to be sick. Faith is the substance of what you're hoping for. Faith is a substance. It can keep a space open. But the minute that thing manifests, faith is no longer needed, says the Bible, because now it's become reality. Faith keeps it open. Your agreement keeps it open until it manifests. And sometimes it's hard, and sometimes it takes long. But if your agreement don't shift and your actions don't shift, that space is holy. And it's waiting for the kingdom of God to manifest in it. Don't let, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Keep that space open. Right now, we're making a massive faith space on that land. And we're going to have to keep that space open for years. At least five. But y'all, we're going to keep that space open by agreement. Don't you dare say this isn't going to happen. Don't you dare say that this might not happen. Don't change your agreement. And action. Like when you're trusting God for, for somebody to be healed, go place your hand on them and pray for them. If you're trusting for a job, make some calls, send out some CVs, apply for some positions. That's how you make space. Action. Um, you're trusting God for business breakthrough. Go sow a seed by doing something for free. What? <laughs> yes. Sow your services and the references will pay for it. When somebody hears how you helped somebody and man, it was awesome, not everybody is going to expect it to be free. They're going to come and say, hey, can you help me too? You say, yes, this is my right. But we're so stingy at times that we don't want to do anything for free and then nobody ends up hearing or knowing about us. Be generous. With the measure you use to send out, it will be measured back to you. Amen. You trust God for something at your home, go sow something into somebody else's home. You want a kitchen remodel? Go help somebody paint theirs. 
Find something that is similar and sow a seed toward that. That's what we did. When we came here to Crowley, we was like, man, we've been in the cinema way too long. We need a space. We need a place. The first thing we did was we sowed a seed, a generous seed from our budget. We didn't have all that money to give away. To, you know, we could afford that. We have so many needs that we're currently you know, fixing to get. We took a seed. And we gave it to another church that was busy with a, re, with a, with a remodel, with a building project. And y'all, within a year and a half, we own land. Amen. Within another year and a half, we're going to be in a building. Yeah, I need to get going. All right. So, I think y'all are getting what I'm saying. It's by faith. I want to play us a little video. And then I want to end up with... Um, with a couple of thoughts for us. This video is 11 minutes long, so that inevitably means that we're already going five minutes over. I apologize in advance. Play the video. 23 years ago, our church was founded on one very simple vision, reaching people and building lives. And our passion has always been to reach people that are far from Jesus, to reach that one family member, that one neighbor, that one coworker with the good news of the gospel. And in just the last couple of years, we've seen more people surrender their life to Jesus and get baptized than ever before. But you know what excites me the most? Is that it's not just happening in our Sunday services. It's happening in people's workplaces. It's happening in people's homes. It's even happening in our schools all throughout our cities. But we're not just committed as a church to reaching people. We are just as passionate about building lives, which means that we wanna help people take their next step in their spiritual journey. We wanna help people know God and live free and learn how to make disciples. And it's time for us to take another step to reach more people and build more lives. And in order to do that, here's the truth. We need more space. So the question is, what are we gonna do about it? What are we willing to do to reach more people? So let me start here in Jennings and tell you what exactly we're planning to do. You have done such an amazing job inviting and bringing people to church that we're literally running out of room. Our 9 a.m. service is at max capacity. We've got people sitting in the foyer watching our service. And at the 11 a.m. service, it's almost near capacity. So what are we gonna do? Well, starting Sunday, April 2nd, we will be adding a third service. That's right, we're going to three services. We're gonna be adding an 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11.30. And because you're inviting so many more people, we still need more parking. So we're gonna increase our parking, specifically our handicapped parking, to accommodate for those that come and need the extra help. Our campus also is 23 years old here in Jennings and it needs a facelift. So we're gonna be enhancing and improving our campus. We're gonna be remodeling our stage. We're gonna remodel our production booth for all of the live streaming that happens. Uh, we're also going to be enhancing our commons area and foyer to make the building a lot more accessible and easier to navigate. A place for new guests to get connected and for you to interact more with your spiritual family great places for our life groups to gather together. But here's what I'm excited about. God's not only expanding here in Jennings, but he's also expanding in Eunice and in Crowley. So you know what? Instead of telling you, why don't I show you? So hey, 
Come with me. Welcome to the Eunice campus. We're here. There's the man. What's up? What's up? How you doing, man? Good, man. Here, man. Oh, we want to come see what God's doing here. Everybody, Pastor Jamie. Hey, hey. Hey, uh, let us see the new kids' building, man. Man, it's right it. there, bro. Look at that. Come on, look. Let's come, on, let's come, come see this. this big, big open area to check kids in. Come on. Two big rooms. We got plenty of kids' space now. I'm super excited about this place. So if y'all don't know the story, we got it. Uh, it was a house, really a dance studio that was next door. That donated it yep. to us. And uh, we sunk about $150,000 in total in the project. Uh, really just to create more space for kids. Yeah, so, hey, love it. Next gen, man, made it go. So, what about the building, man? So let, you... me, let me show you what I want to do next. Okay, This All is right. gonna be awesome. All right, let's go. Man, what we want to do here is, is we just need some more space. Yeah. Uh, we created space for the kids. The kids are settled, that's great. Right now we need some more adult space. Yeah. I want to I wanna take some walls and push them back. I want to take some rooms out to create some more foyer spaces uh, so that we can have more time to connect and just visit with folks and, and, and just the flow of the building would feel a lot better. So we just need more space. Yeah, just thinking about we don't want to create a space where people just come and hurry up and jet out. That's right. Like to That's be able right. to create that atmosphere for people who want to hang around and connect. I know y'all use life groups. Yes. Kids, youth, like everybody uses this building. Yeah, right? the, the, our students use this building on Wednesday nights. I passed by last night and like the parking lot was full almost like a Sunday between a couple of life groups and a youth group here. So I mean the buildings and the facilities are getting used to the max and we're loving it. I mean that's yeah. that's awesome. That's what we that's want. What it's made for. That's right. Absolutely. And so uh, we, just, we just need to create and adjust some things to, to make more space. Now you've been a part of our church for, you and Cheryl have been for 20 years. 20 years. So tell us, because you've been a part of these moments. Mm. So talk to everybody that's jumping in and haven't had those moments. I would challenge you with this. I mean, honestly, this is a moment to pray. Uh, it's, it's to pray and ask God, what, what's my part? Yeah. What's my part in this whole thing? What can I do? And don't let the enemy convince you that your part's not big enough or important enough, because it is. Yeah. It's it's totally important. Come on. And it's totally big enough. Yeah. So yeah. Well, hey, exciting things happening here. Appreciate you, brother. Yeah. Thank you for all that you it's and Cheryl awesome. do and this whole dream team and everybody that's incredible what God's doing here. We gotta get to Crowley because we got some big, big news Woo. coming from Crowley. Come so on. uh hey, let's go to Crowley. Hey, welcome to the Crowley campus. Glad you're here. Let's see if we can find Jay. Hey, Jay. Hey. I don't know why it's not opening. I hey. Don't, hey. Hey. What's, what's up? Man, I have the best news. Talk to me. We ain't going to be in this building much longer. What? We found ourselves a building, y'all. We got a building. Come That's on, right. man. Let's go. Where right around the corner. Let me go show y'all. Come on. Let's go see it. Hey, Pastor JJ, where we at, man? So this used to be the USDA facility. They built something over there for themselves and this became available, so we grabbed it. Yeah. Let me hey, show you inside. Let's go see. So through the first doors, you'll see a very congested lobby space and we'll be opening up a lot of that to make more room for us. Right through here is gonna be the main hall where the adults will do worship services. Again, you'll see some internal spaces that need to be broken up, uh, walls taken down so that we can create more space for. Take a look. This. All right, 
Pastor JJ, tell us a little bit about this place. Well, just a couple of facts. It's uh, 7,400 square feet. Uh, it's going to be ours 24 7. Let's go. That there is the <laughs> biggest thing. <laughs> no more setting up. No more setting up no more and striking down. down. There's going to be spaces for life groups. There's going to be spaces for training. And this is going to be a base from where we can really serve our community well and uh, have just so many beautiful things you know happen for the glory of God and so if everything goes well two months of construction busting out walls fixing floors get setting ourselves up and then we'll do a move obviously which uh, y'all saw how close the cinema is right so we'll be doing the thankfully it's not a far journey we're gonna look like little ants from, from the cinema to the <laughs> carrying our stuff over beyond the buildings we know it's really not about buildings but you need space to do what we want to do, which is to reach people and build yeah. lives. So talk about how is God reaching people and building lives right here in Crowley? We are at capacity yeah. in the cinema. Um, so either we go to a slightly bigger venue or we start next, you know, more services. And I believe this is for where we at the best thing that could have happened to us so that we can reach more people. And God has been adding people faithfully, mm. you know, to our church. But it's not just about the numbers. It's about the stories of people's lives that are getting reconnected back to God. In the last just two months, we've seen so many people come alive again in their relationship with God, getting through doubts and fears and, and struggles. And, and those who are still within them, finding hope and finding keys and, 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 and handles of how, on how to handle that and keep moving forward in their, in their walk with God. And so many um, encouraging stories of people discovering the Bible for the first time. And so um, this is just incredible. During our, uh, our prayer and fasting time, uh, I, some of y'all might remember Esther had a word of knowledge at our corporate gathering yeah, about yeah. Uh, somebody who's struggling with a lung issue. Well, it turned out to be a lady in our congregation mm. who had, uh, the doctors had, uh, had seen spots on her lungs. And she was very concerned about it. They pray over, prayed over her. And at our follow-up meeting, when they um, took tests to see what it was about, they couldn't find any of that Come there on. anymore. Let's go. And so you have these incredible go, documented miracles that are starting to happen. Part of the Christian call is to not just pray for revival, but to also pray for reformation and yep. to bring the kingdom of God into the everyday life. Yep. And man, we're starting to see the first fruits of that in Crowley. And so we're super excited. Pump, bro about that yeah when we come to these moments right here where we know we've got to take a step i mean this is going to be a financial step this is going to be a sacrificial step mm -hmm. there's going to be work that's mm -hmm. required mm -hmm. for all of this but maybe just speak to that for a moment for those maybe that are new to our our, our spiritual family have never stepped into a moment yeah. like this how do you go into a moment like this and and what does this do for the corporate faith of our church well first of um we realize that sometimes when you're stepping into moments like these, they're, they're from the get-go, they're too big for you to accomplish on your own. Yeah. And sometimes that creates fear. And I said to somebody the other day that, you know, you're always going to be in a place where there's fear and there's faith yep. coexisting at the same time, but you get to choose which one you respond to. Yeah. And so this is a moment where we need to respond to faith. Yeah. Um, and uh, in one of our messages earlier this year, we spoke about that little boy that brought the five loaves and the two fishes to Jesus. Yep. One of his disciples made a quirky comment, but what's this against the need? And, uh, the beautiful thing was that the boy wasn't looking at the need. Yeah. The boy was looking at the receiver of the gift That's it. and he can multiply it. And so we don't need to 
do miracles, God does miracles with our seed when we're trusting Him, when we're stepping out, when all of us just ask, Lord, what do I have to give? And I bring that with faith in my heart to the one who can multiply. Uh, he makes it happen, yeah. you know. So um, respond to faith in this time. Don't yeah. respond to like, oh my goodness, the numbers. Uh, you just take the first step, yeah. you know, like Moses and them when they went through the Red Sea. They had to step and they had to get their feet wet. So yeah. get your feet wet. That's the way the sea parts. Let's go. So, hey, we're excited for this season. And uh, Jay, I just want you to know, I'm super proud of you and Esther. I'm super proud of what God's doing here in Crowley. And uh, I believe the best is yet to come. <laughs> so we got the keys this week. <laughs> Safe hands. All right. <laughs> We got the keys to our facility, so next weekend, if you're available to do some old-fashioned uh, hard labor, we're going to be busting out walls and creating some open spaces. If you can swing a hammer, cut a sawzall, if you could push a wheelbarrow, you can just pick up some broken up sheetrock and put it in a thing so we can be, we can be hauled off. We would like to invite you guys to come and see the venue next Saturday from 8 a.m. It's right behind us here. You just drive past uh, La Rumba, turn left, and go down to the arena side. And uh, that's where we'll be doing most of our work from. And uh, you'll start to see a visual of how we're going to remodel that venue so that we can take whatever we have here and there. Now, let me just say off the bat that um, that venue is probably not big enough for us. It's just big enough for us, right? So we're going to be able to fit maybe about 50 more people in our worship area um, than what we have currently, which allows us a little bit more space to grow again. Uh, but what is amazing about it is that our kids will have a space that is more conducive to kids' church environment. Our youth will have a space that is connect. They'll use the, the, the main worship hall, the, the adult worship hall with us. Um, there will be plenty of spaces uh, and nooks and crannies to do life groups in our trainings. Everything will be happening in the same place. And we won't be bothered uh, by striking down everything on a Sunday after church. We can visit and we can connect and things can happen there. Um, and so this is going to be this is going to be amazing. This is going to be amazing. So we'll have a short time to grow, and then we'll probably have to look at what do we do after that. You know, so build. Yeah. All right. Good. We're good. because that is coming next. You know, it's like groundworks and everything on the land, etc. But what do we have to look at? We're having all three campuses together. We have what we call a God gap of about three hundred thousand dollars that it's going to take to do the project in Jennings, to do the project in Eunice, and to do the project here in Crowley. Our own is around about 100, because we've got a, one of the bigger projects um, that we're trusting God to fill up. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go pray. It's not what can I do, it's what does God want to do through me. Okay, you go pray and ask God, how do you want me to participate in making this move a reality? And then I want you to participate. So go pray. You have two weeks to go pray about this. All right? So we're not trying to do an emotional hype up drive and then get you to open your wallets and give your rings. We want you to go and pray and hear from the Lord. Okay? When it's outside there. 
And if you choose to never come back to the church, then you would have not even been, you know, forced to do anything that you didn't want to do. This needs to be something that you see with us and that your heart connects to with us. But here's what we're trusting God for. We're not trusting God that everybody gives a specific amount. We're trusting God that everybody participates. Everybody participates. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to even get our children to see what of their pocket money can they participate with. And even if they bring like a quarter, right? We want to establish a principle in their hearts that they too can be used by God to accomplish great things. And so we want you guys to go and pray. And then on, not next week, but even the week after that, on the 19th, we're going to do a project offering. And we're going to ask you to come and bring whatever is over and above what you normally give, because the church still has to continue to run, that you will give to this project to help us make this become a reality, that you would go and do that. And then on the 19th, we'll come together and we'll trust God and we'll take that seed that we get and we'll lift it up to heaven, thank Him, and see Him multiply it until we're able to move in. And our trust is that we'll be in there for t- in two months. Okay? So we're going to be in that building in two months from now. That's what we're trusting God for. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we see your vision of bringing your kingdom to this area. Lord, help us to be able to be a significant part of it. Help us to do what you have placed on Pastor Bubba and Ms. Tracy's hearts when they stepped into this area for the first time. Help us to continue that vision that got taken on by Pastor Josh and Lindsay. And as you added Pastor Jamie and, my, uh, and Cheryl, myself and Esther, and every single other leader that have helped us to build this house, that we don't have time to mention the hundreds of people that have contributed, the elders, the de- um, not deacons, we don't have deacons, the ministry leaders, the life group leaders, the people that have really walked with other people to see their lives transformed. You know who they are, and their reward is with you. We pray, Lord, that you will help all of us together to grow, to be able to participate the what, what you've asked us to do in this area, and do it well. Do it with excellence, and do it with a spirit of faith that we're going to see this area transform to your glory So that more lives will be transformed than ever before. As we reach people and build Christ-centered lives, we pray that you come, upon, come on our effort and just multiply it. And just help us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.